0: Hey, it's Andrew. Today's episode might sound a little bit different than normal. We were recording outside of our normal studio setup, so bear with us if the audio sounds just a little bit off from normal. It shouldn't be anything too distracting, but nonetheless, enjoy. We've got a cool episode prepared for you guys, and uh, we hope you enjoy listening to the Door County Pulse Podcast. welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you doing? Good. I just want to talk really quickly about it. Broomball has been going on. You've been doing Broomball. You've also been wrangling everybody in the office to play Broomball with you. Trying. Trying. Uh, Celeste has done it. Sam has done it now. Uh, How long does the Broomball League go for? We have three more weeks of regular season play and then we have the Highlander
1: Cup tournament. Um, the guys up at the rank Cody Bolton and his crew are doing a great job keeping ice out there. It's been really weird conditions this winter with like the, these thaws and then the, then the deep freeze
0: and then another thaw, but good enough ice for broomball anyway. Good. Uh, so let's jump into the news. We have a couple stories, uh, that are updating and that we'll kind of just move through really quickly. I think the first one is the Quarry RV park. Uh, That being something that we've been talking about for a while, we've done two bigger episodes on it now, uh, but we'll just kind of give the update on where we're at in the story right now. Um, Give us a little recap. This is the they've been told no twice and they're moving forward on like trying to trying to get their yes eventually. Yes. So um, if we. From the last
1: since the last time we talked, they have gone to the Sebastopol town board. They started at the plan commission. They went to the town board now. Um, The plan commission recommended that the county resource planning committee deny their application for a conditional use permit for a 117 unit RV park and housing development on the old quarry property in Sturgeon Bay. And the town board seconded the plan commission's recommendation to deny that permit. Uh, Neither of those decisions are binding. The town falls under countywide zoning. So the county has a final say and they take into account those recommendations, but those, they don't have to concur with those. And in fact, the town kind of has a different, um, different rules they have to abide by in giving their like advisory recommendation. Uh, so nothing's final, could still pass, uh, that the final decision will be heard in February at some point, um, if it's a yes, It'll probably end up in some legal battles. If it's a
0: no, it'll probably end up in some legal battles. And it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it's great all the way around. Cool. Um, Uh, Still in the Sturgeon Bay area, Sturgeon Bay schools are looking to go to referendum this year? Yes. So they have been studying this
1: for a couple of years, really, and a lot of different options for um, maybe consolidating some schools and some of their elementary school buildings and upgrading some of the high school building um, as that building ages. And just like Sevastopol, Southern Door and Sevastopol or Gibraltar, Southern Door and Sevastopol in 2018, Sturgeon Bay has decided to go to a referendum to upgrade their facilities. Uh, they're gonna go to the voters in
0: April asking for $16.8 million in okay. facility upgrades. So that is uh, not a little bit, but also not as much as we've seen in the past before. Sevastopol was 25 million dollars were those Was that first round of referendums last year or two years ago at this point it was 2018 november of 2018 okay um and i mean we've seen referendums be pretty successful in door county in the last couple of years do you think that this one is shaping out to be similar or do you think that the climate's a little bit different um i think sturgeon bay has done a really good job of
1: involving the public in the decision making process uh i they've done a lot of surveys. They've had a bunch of meetings. They've been really forthcoming and sending us a bunch of information to get out to the public about the options they're considering. And as part of this option, they have decided to close. If this passes would close sunset elementary school kind of combine some of their facilities buildings that would save them on long-term maintenance costs for that extra building. And just like other schools, they have declining enrollment. So, Consolidating some of those facilities makes sense. Uh, and just like the other schools, this would include some security upgrades. Um, as we may not have seen, and hopefully knock on wood. We never do see the the school shootings and some of the violence that other areas have had. But that cumulative effect nationwide is trickling down to Door County because every school has had to make security updates, right. upgrades because of those fears. Yeah. Um, so we kind of pay the price for it. Or not handling some of that on a larger level, right. but um, as for the the likelihood of it passing, it's tough to say. Like you like you said, the school referendums in Door County have traditionally garnered a lot of support and have passed with a sixty to seventy percent margin. Sturgeon Bay has a different tax situation. People the property taxes are comparatively higher in Sturgeon Bay and are more born. By the residents. Whereas in Northern Door, a lot of those property tax dollars are paid by people who own shoreline property who often are not residents and not voters. So Certain Bay, a bigger proportion of those are our residents and voters. So they are going to see a more tangible impact. So it's easy for me in my house in Northern Door to vote for property tax in- increase for the schools because most like my impact is relatively small compared to somebody who owns a large shorefront property or just a more valuable home that's off the shorefront. Sturgeon Bay, it's gonna be born differently. So right. um, the impact of that tax would be $147 per year per $100,000 of property value. So if you own a $200,000 home, you're looking at $300. If you own multi-million dollar home, you're looking at a chunk more.
0: Uh, One more thing to talk about coming up this weekend before we move into kind of our bigger feature this week is uh, Door County Reads 2020 uh, is kicking off a bunch of events. And we had talked to Morgan Mann in November when we announced Door County Reads on the podcast. Uh, We talked about the author, the book that was chosen, kind of did a little bit of a deep dive there. So if you want to listen to that episode, if you don't know what the book is, uh, check that one out. Um, But the kickoff of the events is kind of starting now, right? Yeah, a lot of uh, the Door County Reads program is pretty impressive. All of the the programming that they put together
1: and kind of the diversity of it. Right. So it's not just, all right, here's the book. It's all stuck to a very strict, like here's the author and here's the topic. Right. And everything's on that. They kind of branch it out. So um, I will be doing a presentation on Sunday on a topic that's kind of loosely affiliated with the book. There's a uh, minor league baseball player in that's a character in the book. And so they've asked me to do a presentation on um baseball in Door County. Right. So yeah. I get to
0: talk County League Baseball. Yeah. When we when we talked to Morgan, she had talked about how the the book takes place kind of in this small town. And they they chose it because it kind of had a lot of those little like small town quirks and and the magic of a small town is something that we touched on. And and so they were really able to get creative with the events this year and come up with a bunch of different things. Uh, so even if, you know, you weren't totally sold on the book or didn't love every part about it, uh, there might be something that's going on over the next couple of weeks that you find really interesting. Um, the author will be up this weekend, I think. Yep. Um, kind of kicking everything off. And I know that they will do kind of discussions with him and maybe a book signing. Um, I don't know if that's this week, but we talked about his that.
1: kickoff is Saturday at Sturgeon Bay High School Auditorium at two p.m. He'll be doing a presentation, um, and be around to, um, meet with people after the, that kickoff presentation, and I'm I'm guessing he'll probably be signing copies of books. So right. Sturgeon Bay, two p.m. on Saturday. Cool. Uh, anything else for this weekend before we jump into our bigger uh, topic? Just for people who want to hear the presentation on baseball in Door County. Um, I've got Door County League President Rick Jigot, longtime player, is going to join me. Tucker Emerson, uh, who has played for a couple of decades for the Sister Bay Bays, might be, he he might be the oldest player in the league at this point. Um, he's going to join me and I'm hoping to rope Eddie Allen from WDR, who's been broadcasting games for 50 years. Uh, I would love for him to join me. He's, he's still to be determined, but we're going to just talk about why people care about an adult men's amateur baseball league, right. in like 400 people show up for these games. Like yeah. nobody shows up for uh, pickup basketball games or anything like that. So it's a, it's a really cool tradition. It's a cool league. Um, the family ties that go back generations and how much it matters to families to say like, we are an, uh, a Sister Bay Bay family or we're a Bailey's Harbor Bay's family or Bailey's Harbor A's family. Um, it's just cool. So we'll have a little roundtable discussion on, on that sort of thing at Dork Honey Brewing Company on Sunday at 1 o'clock.
0: Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks.
2: Oh my gosh, no way, me too.
0: I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something.
2: Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit doorcountypulse.com slash shop, you can find exactly those items.
0: You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and a incredible collection of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy
2: online? That we did, Andrew, that we did. I didn't know that we had an online shop. What else can I get there? You can also buy some Pulse stickers, Door County Living stickers. You can subscribe to Door County Living or the Peninsula Pulse if you are not in Door County. You can buy our annual Door Wedding Guide and you can also buy uh, Lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster but might want to add a little something something in your gift package.
0: I'm looking at the shop right now and I just noticed that we have Peninsula Pulse hats with the dog logo and everything grace i think i am sold where can i go to find all of this stuff one more time
2: www.doorcountypulse.com shop
0: uh why don't we jump into our bigger feature so you were at the state legislative meeting and a bunch of things got talked about many of which have some pretty interesting uh county and like local level effects
1: yeah so it was the county the legislative committee of the door county board okay um so they had their meeting this week and um, there were a number of different topics. Some of them, some of them just kind of goofy, some of them a little more far reaching. Um, the one that I thought was kind of interesting is that Jill Lau, the county clerk, um, brought up this new bill that would change the way marriage licenses are issued in the statewide. Okay. Right now, if you're getting married in Door County, you have to get your marriage license in Door County right you can't just uh if you live in green bay you can't get the you couldn't get the license there or if you lived in illinois you couldn't get your license in illinois and then get married up here you'd have to travel to door county and get your marriage license here within i think 30 to 60 days of your wedding date um in door county that's more impactful yeah than anywhere else well maybe not anywhere else but most other places they issue about 300 marriage licenses a year and anywhere from a third to half of those are completely out-of-state couples right
0: yeah you don't think about them like the wedding industry as being a huge revenue generator but it it really is And, and we had talked about the math a little bit before we recorded but like the it's a huge chunk of money every year that goes right to the county when you file your marriage license right but then like you know it expands further than that too because you've got everybody who comes up for your wedding, uh, all of the money that they're spending in lodging and food and travel and all of that stuff kind of combines. And I think like baseline, just off of what we were calculating without even factoring everything in, it was like $5 million a year comes into the county just from weddings.
2: Yeah,
1: And that could
0: be way under what it actually is. Yeah, it's
1: probably probably a very conservative estimate because if you take, I got some numbers from the county clerk. Last year, there were 85 weddings in which both members of the, both signed to the couple were from out of state. So those are all destination weddings. Uh, might be people who were originally from here, moved away, but they wanna get married back home. Might be people who have no tie here, but just thought a hey, Door County would be a beautiful place to get married. Um, let's say $25,000 per wedding, which might be low. Uh, that's a couple million dollars right there, just in like the wedding cost. Right. If you add, let's say you estimated a hundred guests Coming from out of town for each wedding, that might be high, that might be low. This, is, I'm totally throwing numbers out here, but if they're spending two hundred dollars a night on lodging for two nights each, there's three million dollars. Yeah, like that's that adds up really quick, and that doesn't even account for the fact that some of these marriages are three hundred guest weddings. Some of them are fifty, but you know, maybe maybe hundred coming from out of town is a pretty good ballpark. Um, Again, just figured all these numbers out in the last hour. But you can see how it adds up pretty quick. That doesn't count food. That doesn't count stopping for gas. That doesn't count people who stick around for five days. All these different aspects of it. So,
0: the it, weddings, destination weddings in Door County are big money. Right. Well, and it's interesting to think not just the economic impact that they have for businesses, but also like a big chunk of that money actually funnels directly into the county as well.
1: Yeah. So, at a, a marriage license at 75 bucks a pop if there's 85 a year and now instead of having to get that in door County with this, this change, now you could get it in any County in Wisconsin. So you still couldn't get, if you're from Illinois, you still couldn't re- just get your marriage license in cook County, but now you could just go over the border to Kenosha and get it there. Yeah. Um, that's $6,500 out of the, <laughs> the County clerks, uh, revenue stream every year. So right. it, it, it starts that up. It's a, um, in the grand scheme of the county government, it's a small chunk, but it's, it's a chunk nonetheless. Um, but like from the wedding industry, now you think of the average wedding that might be held up here, if 25 of those guests have never been to Door County before and that wedding is the reason they came here for the first time. And if people are any good at throwing a fun wedding, those people have a great time for a couple of days up here. Mm-hmm you might be creating a generational visitor yeah. just because of that wedding. So it's actually a really good like door opening industry for Door County in terms of creating new, um, a lot of those guests being young couples who now started a tradition and now they come back, even if they come back once every three years, that starts to
0: become a lot of money over over a couple of decades. So right. uh, big a big impact. Some of the other bills that were talked about was something on gerrymandering.
1: Yeah. So there is um, a very vocal group of folks who continue to try and get our state legislature um, and our county board to do something about uh, the way we draw legislative districts. We did a podcast a couple months ago about um, kind of a fair maps presentation and how what gerrymandering is and um, how maps are drawn today. Essentially, whoever wins. Um this next round of of congressional race, state assembly and state senate races, they get to draw the maps. Right. Um now we do have a slightly split government, so Tony Evers can have a little more say um and where with the Republicans who control the Senate and the Assembly. But they basically draw maps. And what generally happens, and this happens when Democrats control the legislator, and it happens when Republicans control it, is They try to draw them in a way that makes districts very safe for their party. So you have districts that are drawn with really weird maps that kind of bisect municipalities. Joel Kitchens had said this like, I'm one of the few people who can't get gerrymandered out of my district because I represent Doran, Kewanee County, it's this peninsula. It'd be very hard to draw me into like Marinette or Appleton, but a lot of states or a lot of districts will be drawn so that, you know, if you're a Democrat, you try to draw a district so you get a a chunk of what otherwise might be a Republican stronghold, but you pull out a sliver of Dane County and Madison and you get a bunch of staunchly probable liberal voters. So now suddenly this larger district becomes a Democratic stronghold based on how it's drawn. And yet the the interests of the people in that district might be very different. Um, It'd be like if somebody in green Bay drew their district and they just kind of like sent a sliver up to carve out a chunk of a Republican district of Sturgeon Bay. And it all has to be touching each other, but like they just grabbed a part of Sturgeon Bay. So some voters in Sturgeon Bay might be like, I'm represented by a guy who basically only cares about urban green Bay. Right. Because of the way that map was drawn. That's basically
0: what a crude definition of what gerrymandering is. Does this have anything to do with the re- like why i live in Egg Harbor but vote in Carlsville or is that a, <laughs> d- a different thing that is a
1: weird door county gerrymandering no that is that happened because egg harbor used to be one municipality and then the village said we the downtown core is more tourism focused and we have a different set of priorities than the larger township so they carved a village out of the town but the town still wraps around the village so you are right. on the north end of the of the township boundary, but you have to go out and drive almost to Sturgeon Bay yeah. to find your voting place because it's on the southern border of, of the township is where you vote. Right.
0: Is, and and I maybe mean, this is a dumb question, but do you feel that now gerrymandering is something that people are talking about at a national level more than ever before? I, I think so. I saw um, former presidential
1: candidate uh, Bill Bradley uh, speak about in, in a long time senator, talk about gerrymandering. And he, he said, there's two things that would really change our politics and the tone of our politics today. One is getting money out of politics, a constitutional amendment to limit campaign spending.
0: Right.
1: Um, and the second is eliminating the process of gerrymandering because what gerrymandering does is it creates very safe districts so people don't have to reach across the aisle. Um, and try to compromise and come up with a generally forward-thinking solution to one of our problems. Because if you are in a very strong Democratic district, you don't have to like placate any of your Republican district members because you're like, "Well, it's 70% Democratic. I'm going to keep my seat no matter what. Right. I just got to keep those Democrats happy with me. And th- your only fear is really being primaried within your own party. Republicans, the same thing is happening. They are, <clears throat> so you're not seeing anybody come to the middle. You're seeing people dig deeper into the edges. And anybody who's being honest about politics will admit that Joel Kitchens will say that too. He, he wishes it, with Joel Kitchens, being our local representative, wishes that we're different. But that's the reality right now. So you don't have to, you know, if you don't think of like he, Joel Kitchens said. No bill will come to the floor if they don't already know it's going to pass. Right. Because the committee chairs are all held by Republicans and those committee chairs are very powerful. So this gerrymandering bill, which Joel Kitchens is a co-sponsor of, will not get out of committee. He said, it's just, there's no incentive for them to do it. So he's like, I hate to say this. I don't want to be like, throw my hands up in the air, but
0: honestly, I'm a sponsor of this. It basically has no chance. And it's such a weird problem to have, too, both of those things that you talked about, money in politics and gerrymandering, because they so blatantly fly in the face of what democracy is supposed to be, right? right? You're supposed to be represented by somebody. And if you've got money in politics, then you're not being represented by, like, they're not acting in your best interest. They're acting in companies' best interest. And with gerrymandering, it's it's just another thing where it's like, I don't know why this person is representing me. He doesn't even live here it's exactly the like the two opposites of what it's supposed to be. So it's so weird that we were just like, oh, yeah, maybe this is a problem that we should fix. It's like, how do we get here in the first place? And you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a,
1: a real student of American history and democracy or a political scientist who, who wouldn't agree that that is a threat and it's a problem in our system, but there's no willpower to change it because if you're in power, if you're a party in power, You don't want to give up power.
0: Yeah. You don't want to say like, all right, I'm going to sabotage my whole platform just so that, you know, because it's the right thing to do. Yeah.
1: But Um, generally with this, so what some people showed up at this legislative committee was to lobby the county. The county has already passed a resolution several years ago to in support of changing the way that we draw our legislative districts that the, the general consensus is people want to switch to what's called the Iowa model where they have an independent bipartisan committee. um, The Legislative Reference Bureau, I think is the name of it. I might have that wrong. Um, That would draw the districts. Now, those would be political appointees, but you'd have three Democrats, three Republicans, and then one more. Joel Kitchens had said, like, this, that format, he said in Wisconsin, I generally don't like appointees. Like, trying to find a, a truly bipartisan neutral organization to do this is hard, but he's like, in general, this committee has done that in the past. They've shown themselves to be pretty bipartisan and pretty fair. So I, I do trust them to do it. And there were some people in this meeting saying, and some county board members say, I'm, why don't you just fight harder? And they're, they're both like, well, committee chairs control everything and I can fight really hard, but that committee chair is not gonna change it. And in fact, one of the board members, I believe, or maybe it was County Administrator Ken Pavick might've asked this question, or maybe it was Dave Enigle. I think it was Dave Enigle. He said, if we pass a resolution and then if we go to a county-wide referendum where the voters get to will weigh in on whether they want to change the way we redistrict, what impact does that make on you guys, honestly, as representatives? And to Andre and Joel's credit, they both said, Pretty much nobody looks at those things. Yeah. So if the county passes a resolution that says, we want to legalize marijuana or we wanna change legislative districts um, or anything, they, and then if, if citizens approve a referendum, they're basically saying like, not only does it not have a lot of impact, but honestly, people don't even look at them.
0: Hmm. So- You mean at, at like a legislative level? Yeah. Like, if, if if we were to vote and say, like, we want something this way, they don't care. Not only that, but he, they indicated that, like, most people don't even pay attention to it. Huh. Well, because I know, like, the last kind of, like, advisory referendum that we passed was about marijuana. Right. At, like, the recreational level. And that was part of a lot of different counties in Wisconsin having the same question and, and pretty much overwhelmingly voting yes. We haven't seen any change happening. Um, I I know that we've, we've been seeing some change in kind of our neighboring states. Maybe that's an indication of things to come, but, um, you would, I don't know. It's a weird thing to then just be like, eh, it doesn't matter.
1: They said the, the one thing that does impact legislators is individuals calling, telling their stories and speaking. Now, I know that some, they would say like, okay, the people who kind of cry wolf over and over again and just badger you, they eventually just write you off. But if people are have compelling cases to make and they're not just sending you a copy and paste form letter on an issue, but if you're sa- sending like a, a a real email or letter or phone call, they said that is probably the most effective way to do it um, to to impact your legislators. But it was frustrating to see that. They said, yeah, even if the whole county voted 70% in favor of redistricting, it probably wouldn't really start to move the needle down there. But what it does do, and maybe it doesn't impact the legislature in the short term, but in terms of giving you some hard data, you know, like three years ago, we might have said, yeah, I am I would guess like 30% of people in Surgeon Bay maybe would support uh, legalizing medical marijuana. And. Maybe 20% recreational, but I'd say like it's pretty, it's a pretty conservative area. I don't think there's gonna be that much. But when you actually take the poll, right, and it comes out, wait, 51% support recreational, 70% support medicinal, it starts to change the conversation of you can't just cast it off and say, Oh, this is a minor, minor thing. Not many people believe in this. Now you go, wait, the majority of Surgeon Bay residents actually don't, don't think uh Marijuana is that big of a problem that you need to make it illegal. So that really does start to change policy discussions and perceptions of it. And then maybe five or six years from now, because that referendum happened, the whole t- tone of the conversation is different because yeah. you can't get away with just saying like, oh, that's just a bunch of potheads. Yeah, because you can like, go oh, back and show the don't. data. Yeah, you have a vote. You ha- People went to the ballot box and marked a box like in one of the most important things they feel they can do as a citizen. and let's say it's a 60% Republican district. And if even that district voted majority in favor, like that does start to change how I perceive my own party if I'm Republican or Democrat. Right. You know, so, you know, like it, let, let's say it had a referendum, an advisory referendum on whether or not we should have um, a citizen's ID, you know, to vote. Like that might change that conversation too. There's a lot of different things you can see that Maybe if it was, it doesn't have to be binding, but it does make you go, oh, okay, I guess my constituents actually really yeah. do care about that. So maybe I should fight a little
0: harder. Right. So. If, if they look at it at all. If they look at it at all. Well, I guess in an, in an attempt to wrap up in a positive note, uh, vote for the people that you think are going to best represent you. And then when they're not representing you well, tell them about it and, and tell them why they need to do a better job.
1: Yeah. Vote them out.
0: <laughs> well, that's the other part of it, too. And then, if they fail, get rid of them and they, you know the one thing, and I've
1: had a lot of conversations with Joel kitchens, um some with andre Jacques they they do seem connected to the issues in door County, um whether or not you agree with them or not they're they're aware um, and I think Joel especially seems to listen to a lot of different corners um, and to some extent, there's an advantage of the fact that he's in a pretty safe, I would say, Republican district in that maybe he can go out on a limb more and push a little harder because I mean, he might get primaried, but he's, it's going to be hard for him to lose that seat. Sure. So, Joel, if you're listening. Well, that, that was going to be my second <laughs> part. They
0: they listen to the concerns of the county, but do they listen to the Dark County Pulse podcast? You no. Know, if, if they want to know what's going on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Anybody who's anybody listens to the Door County Pulse podcast. We hope. We certainly hope. Both of you listen to the Door yeah, County thank you guys for <laughs> tuning
0: in every week. Uh, well, with that, Miles, I think that's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for chatting with me, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.